Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. Time for another weekend bonus because I know this is what you want to do more than anything else with your weekend time is listen to us take the deep dive and all the issues of the day. And so we're ready to take the deep dive with the guest who will now introduce himself with our famous Ben Jarofsky bonus show, Mike Check. So take it away, guest. Uh, hey, Ben. Uh, my name is Rob Perrell. I'm a kind of a numbers cruncher and I crunch numbers like that for uh, not-for-profit organizations around Chicago. Two plus two. <laughs> Can you handle two those, plus two? Oh, yeah. uh, uh, two plus two is four. Nice. I know. Two good plus job. Two. Good job. Uh, I would take, he said, Rob's being very modest. He said, kind of a numbers cruncher. I would take the words kind of out of that sentence. He's a, a, a very a smart numbers cruncher. And uh, I have picked his brain from time to time. Our articles I'm writing. When we talk about numbers, I'm talking about uh, demography yep. in the greater sense of things. And, um, and what are the trends, the demographic trends uh, happening, not just in the city of Chicago, but the state of Illinois. And so, uh, Rob, the importance of all this, of course, is that it's so easy to politicize uh, the demographic trends. And so as opposed to just taking a look at what's happening, who's moving where and how how's the population changing and try to uh, it's so convenient and so easy uh, for people, partisans of from all aspects well, of I'll give you a case in point go ahead for, for years the illinois policy institute was regularly putting out press releases and this and that 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 the reasons for illinois population change was all about taxes because taxes are to blame for everything mm -hmm. okay and then we started to actually look at the population change in illinois and we found a couple things okay first of all well let's look at chicago which has a completely different story than the rest of the state uh, in chicago everybody's growing in number here except for one group there's only one population leaving Chicago, which is the African-American population, leaving in droves, uh, 10,000, 15,000 a year for a long time now. We can talk a little bit more about that in a second. Mm -hmm. So why would just one group leave Chicago because of taxes? There you go. Well, that doesn't make sense, right? The other thing, uh, gosh, there's so many reasons why you know the, the politicization of Chicago's population change has been so wrong. Um, the Loop area. The downtownish area has a surcharge on its taxes because of the McPeer Authority. Are you familiar with that? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But you it explain has, it to people who are... It's like a 1% surcharge yes. on, on retail and food, I think. Mm -hmm. okay? And the reason I started out with that is that then there's also the Chicago taxes. There's the Cook County taxes. There's the state of Illinois taxes in downtown Chicago. We are possibly, in downtown Chicago, the highest taxed area in the Midwest, Okay. Fine. The highest text. We are also the fastest growing area in the entire Midwest. So one could argue yes. that we should raise taxes. <laughs> yeah, you could make that argument. In other words, if the... If Just looking at the facts. Yeah. 
Okay, so in other words, it's like the old uh, if the sun rises with the roost, if the sun rises when the rooster crows, then the rooster crowing is the reason the sun rose. Uh, so the downtown, yes, there's uh, the special service taxes that they have downtown. There's uh, that McCormick, Davy. Uh, actually, that the district that taxes people goes beyond downtown. They're, but it includes and they're trying the to make affluent. it bigger, by the way. Uh, there was talk of making it bigger. Uh, pure authority tax. Anyway. So in other words, you don't buy into the argument uh, raised by Bruce Rauner and the Illinois Policy Institute that tax and the Chicago Tribune editorial board. Yeah. They're still hammering that yeah, beast yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. You don't buy into that. It's very hard to shake them. Any one of those audiences, too. I've talked to all of them. And, uh, you, you know, taxes are just... Um, uh, uh, the, the religion, you know, anti-tax. Well, let me ask you that. You, you, you've actually, you've actually talked to Bruce Ryan. I haven't talked to Bruce Rana directly, but, but you've talked, talked to, to the Tribune editorial board. And, and, yeah, and so yeah. uh, talk about the exchange. Like, how do they deal when you point these things out that you just pointed out to me? What is their response? You know, I think it's a perspective that, that taxes is, 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 is a problem uh, and you can't shake that. And there's also, I, f- I have a trouble getting away from a conclusion that there's a little bit of a kind of a self-hatred of this government we have. That the idea that we should tax the population and tax it equitably and pay for services, that there's something wrong with that. I, I just disagree with that. Uh, are we, are we may be undertaxed. I know we're undertaxed. We run deficits. We're closing schools. We don't have money for public education. But no, I think there's a lot of arguments to be said that we're not taxing maybe the right people enough. Right? And I know we've taken some steps towards that possibly in Illinois to, to balancing out the way we tax the population. Because a, a portion, we're getting off on taxes, we'll come back to demography, yeah. a portion's been getting a good ride. All right, let's talk about who's leaving and who is staying. You already mentioned in the most general sense that the only demographic uh, the only demographic in Chicago. in Chicago that's leaving the black population. Is that correct? Only African Americans are, are leaving Chicago. And first of all, a couple comments on African Americans. Um, 20,000 per year in the previous decade, uh, meaning from uh, 2000 to 2010, right? We lost 221,000 African-Americans in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Since 2010, it has slowed down a little. We're merely losing about uh, 10 to 15,000 African-Americans per year. This is really going on a long time. Um, How much did you say we're losing about 2010? We lost 50,000 African-Americans in Chicago between 2010 and 2015. Gotcha. Yeah. And so, a little more than 50,000. And so, since uh, t- 2015, it's been how much a year, did you say? You said it's been slowing down. I just didn't get Oh, it's enough. between 10,000 and 15,000 people a year. I got you. Departures. All right. Yeah. And uh, where are uh, black residents, African Americans moving? Well, uh, some are moving to Cook County, uh, suburban Cook County. Mm-hmm. So, there is a, a modest growth of African American population in suburban Cook County. However, the entire state's been losing black population, too. So, it's really out migration. And so the context for all of that, really, the bigger story is it's not it's not Illinois. Just um, there, there's a reverse migration in the northern and uh, midwestern cities to the south. Um, now some cities are having more of it than others, and Chicago is uh, sadly punching above its weight in that sense. And what I mean is that proportionally we're losing more than you would think we would, but but we're we're not alone. Okay, so that, so that is a factor going on with blacks leaving mid, leaving the Midwest and the North. So any reason, particular reasons. Uh, no one knows. Uh, for one thing, one of the many stories as to why we don't know is that journalism has changed. I, I think once upon a time, and you can be the one to talk about this, <laughs> yeah. journalism would have sent an army of reporters out on the street, on sidewalks, and would have talked not to policy experts, not to numbers crunchers. They would have talked to pastors. Yeah. They would have talked to moms. They would have talked to teachers. They would have t- ask a teacher, why, why do you have less kids this year? You know, they know. 
So that stuff just doesn't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. And there, there are these. Um, there's a lot of stuff we just don't know anymore yeah. because of that lack of kind of data yeah. gathering. So, so that's a methodology issue. We we don't know because we're not trying very hard. Yeah. Well, this gets to a point that Alden Lowry has made more than once when he's come on my show. And Alden Lowry works for WBEZ, and he too uh, is a number cruncher. Uh, and I remember interviewing him on the subject of black people moving from Chicago, and I said, "My goodness, uh, th- this is a problem. And uh, why aren't we doing anything about it?" And he said, and I'm paraphrasing, well, the, Ben, I think the people in positions of power in the city don't view it as a problem. Right. If, if, the, if this were, there have been other kinds of social changes in, in, the, in the state where we had task forces, uh, we, had, we had the state spending money on mm-hmm. figuring out what the effect of the welfare reform bills were, the immigration reform bills, on and on and on. You're right. This is like uh, met with silence. Well, I can remember, I can uh, put this in context a bit. I'm old enough to remember in the 70s uh, when there was what they called white flight, when white people were leaving Chicago. Well, I got a couple of things to tell you about that. Right. Go ahead. Yeah. So I grew up uh, in this area. And yeah, you grew up here with the idea that whites are leaving uh, Chicago, leaving Metro Chicago forever for good in droves. And where are we right now? We are right now with a white population in Chicago with a couple fascinating things happening to it. First of all, growing faster than the Latino population. Okay? And we'll talk about Latinos in a minute who, who saved Chicago in the 80s and 90s. And I'll tell you what I mean by that about Latinos. But the white population is the um, numerically fastest growing part of the city. The other thing going on with whites in Chicago, you know, we don't talk about whites very much as a group, by the way, mm-hmm. um, uh, get uh, growing in number and getting a lot wealthier because we have this interchange going on in Chicago. The, the northwest side, the, the last bastions of the white ethnic population, the southwest side bastions of the white ethnic population, frankly, uh, dying, moving, getting older. Mm-hmm. But why are we growing? Because we have this incredible influx of wealth into the uh, what I call the zone of affluence in the, in the downtown-ish area. And I can define the zone of affluence for you a little bit. And so, so what does that mean? For the first time in many, many decades, maybe even, I don't have the data to go back to the 19th century, maybe since the 19th century, whites in the city of Chicago are wealthier than whites outside of Chicago and Illinois. Now that that just breaks all the patterns yeah. we grew up with. If you grew up here like I did, that you know the city was the working class, where people would want to leave and all that. No, 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 no. It's, everything's being changed. So, so that's some of the things going on with the white population. Um, I have one more piece in this. this I wonder. I have two more big pieces of the city change. We talk yeah. about African Americans. You don't mind me going on like this? Oh man. man, you're on a roll. All right. Well, <laughs> God you know, bless you. No one ever asks. Hey, I'm taking notes to keep up. Uh, no one ever asks me, and you did, and so um, so that's some of the changes we talked about with blacks and and whites. Look at the Latino population. Mm-hmm. Latino population saved Chicago in the 80s and 90s. because Saved, like in quotes, saved. What do you mean by that? I'll tell you why. Because in uh, when the, uh, uh, the the census came out in, um, in, in the year 2000, uh, the New York Times and other, other places said Chicago grew. Chicago grew in population in this one decade, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the reason it grew? It grew specifically because of undocumented Mexican immigration. You're talking about the 90s. The 90s, so yeah. ending, in, ending in 2000. Generally speaking, I'm cutting you off, but remember, so remember where you were. I just have to make this point out. This is how we uh, we, we prop up our political leaders, uh, crediting from anything. And I was always given credit. Mayor Daley, yeah. he figured it out. <laughs> we escaped the, you know, yeah. like Harold Washington era. It was, Mayor it was, Daley figured it out. It was immigrants from Durango. It had nothing that, to do that, with that Mayor Daley. <laughs> no, and in fact, most, Frank, well, actually, if you don't mind me saying, most of the things we 
not most, I'm going to take that back. A lot of the big macro things we blame mayors for or that they take credit for are out of their hands. I absolutely Like the economy, agree the employment you, yes. rates, even presidents. Yeah. Even presidents, they always taking credit for when the uh, 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 labor force participation goes up or something. Well, no, no. It's usually something their predecessor or two or three predecessors ago did. Yeah. Anyway, there's a thing like right. that with population in Chicago. Yeah. Getting back to the Latinos, you know, we had this amazing uh, immigration uh essentially of Mexicans in the 80s and 90s, really kept the city's population up, even grew us uh, positively for a while. Uh, the, the majority of it was undocumented uh, immigration. That's all gone. Due to the current president and due to the previous, um, the fact that the majority of Mexican immigration, the largest immigrant group, group coming to Chicago, uh, isn't coming here anymore. We have, we have a, a net negative flow of undocumented immigrants. They're getting out. Um, it kills Chicago. It, it, it kills cities like Chicago that were built to process immigrants and newcomers. That, that's, that's why, and I'm getting out to, I'm moving out to immigration a little mm-hmm. bit here. When you take cities like Chicago and, and take all the Midwestern cities, you name them, you name Detroit, you name St. Louis, you, you name the Ohio big cities, you name any of the Michigan big cities. They were structurally set up at the beginning of the uh, 20th century Essentially, they were built by and to process immigrants up and out, up and out, up and out. You cut that flow off, and guess who you hurt? You hurt cities big time. Mm-hmm. And, and that actually, that is one of Trump's, uh, you know, whether he's aware of it as a strategy or uh, it's just working because Stephen Miller's advisor is telling him to. You, 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 you want to, in a very targeted way, in a targeted way, you want to hurt cities, the, the, you, there's nothing you can do as much as cut off immigration. So you got to consider that kind of stuff. And... Um, I'm talking about immigrants now. I've talked about blacks, Latinos, um, white population. Um, you know, we have virtually no refugees coming to the United States or to Illinois, which was always a primary settlement state. We have um, a net. Now, when you talk about refugees as opposed to immigrants. Yeah, uh, yeah what are we talking talk about? about yeah. the distinction. So the United States, uh, to its great pride, really, has traditionally had a uh, refugee program, which admits uh, Depending on the year, when you have somebody in office who's um, kind of uh, has compassion, it admits um, anywhere from 100,000 on up uh, people into the United States, not because of their job skills, not because they have family here, mm-hmm. but for purely humanitarian reasons, uh, because they have a well-founded fear of persecution. So that, you know, to our great, as I say, to, to, we should be proud of that. We've always had that. Well, it's, it's been essentially cut down to zero now. So, you know, in Chicago, we contextualize this a little bit. Uh, you go back in time, you used to be able to go to the north side and see these older Russian Jews. Well, how do you think they got here, right? Um, the Vietnamese population that's diminishing around Argyle, how do you think? They weren't regular legal immigrants applying to be here with their brother. That, that was the refugee. Cambodian. Go on and on and on. We could mm-hmm. go through a lot of groups like that. We'd go back a little further in time, Logan Square, we had a lot of Cubans in it once upon a time. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is that you take... Uh, you, you take these targeted um, federal approaches to, to um, stop certain kinds of immigration, and we're talking about refugee flows right now, uh, really hurts cities and neighborhoods. Um, and, and then the, 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 the penalties being placed upon Latino families now who, um, because of the lack of visas, have a lot of undocumented immigrants in their families really hits Chicago and its neighborhoods and, and its population. So, so those, those are sort of the four big pieces uh, to start with in understanding how Chicago's changing in terms of who. 
who who is no longer coming into the city. And uh, so let's talk about the zone of affluence. Uh, it moves us on to where now. Yeah, yes. where is Chicago changing? Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So talk about what is the zone so of affluence. So what is the zone of affluence? Geographically speaking, yeah. First of all, I'd like to make an effort here, um, and you can help me, to get people to start calling it the ZOA or something like that. <laughs> Darn. The Zoa constrictor. I got all these ideas. Yeah. Or it's like a protozoa to me, because you know it's like an amoeba that's moving. So the the zone of affluence, uh, I don't know, you got me thinking of like a fifties sci fi movie. It's this blob. <laughs> yeah. It's this blob. It's boundaries. And I, I have numbers on this, believe me or not. It's boundaries are Montrose Avenue to the north. Right. Are you with me on that? No, I'm, Every, I'm everybody it listening down. to yeah. this, you visually picture, picture Montrose, Montrose to, to the north. north. So, my, so to the north to Howard Street. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. The northern boundary of the ah, Zoa. I gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, Montrose, Montrose is on the north. This is very important. Okay. We're going to establish the boundaries. I'm of writing the Zoa, this down. Go ahead. Zone mm-hmm. of affluence. Montrose Avenue um, down to Roosevelt Road. Okay. Okay. And I'll tell you why I'm using these boundaries. And then the lake out mm-hmm. to Western. Got okay. it. I got it. If you map that out mm-hmm. with data on income, almost, almost every single census tract, which is these you know little, uh, geographies we use to measure data, a- anyway, a- every neighborhood within those boundaries has an income that's well above the city average. Mm-hmm. That is the zone of affluence. That is the new bike lanes. <laughs> that is the roads that are that are fixed. That is the um, <laughs> the Oz Oz like yeah. Oz like atmosphere that we're actually sitting in right now. Your cranes and uh, fun yeah. and restaurants and and all that stuff. That that's the, it's the global city, and it really is. It's the, it's it's people of uh, high education. Um, uh, high income, uh, nice housing stock, yeah. growing, it's all that. There's a lot to say about the zone of affluence. <laughs> uh, there's, there's what does it mean for the city? All right, let, me, yes. let me just put that off a little bit about okay. the, what, is it, what does the ZOA mean for Chicago? Yeah. Right? Um, the other thing is, what's, how's it behaving these days? And you know, what the, you know what the zone of affluence is doing? Some of the uh, features of it are, are things like um, Lincoln Yards, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the 78, mm-hmm. right? Uh, transportation, people moving in. It's pushing against its boundaries. It, it is like a protozoa. It's like an amoeba that's had a meal, and it is just extending because um, what it's got in its sights right now, uh, most, most well, soon is, um, oh, yeah, you know, Logan Square. Logan Square has already been sort of consumed by the, um, by the zone of affluence. Mm-hmm. For the first time in many decades. Then it goes west of Western. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because uh, Logan Square, for the first time in many decades, has a white plurality. Mm. Latinos were the majority of Logan Square for a long time. Yeah, yeah, for Mm -hmm. decades. Now, uh, what's what's kind of in the sights of the zone of affluence, uh, it's been in the sights for a long time, is Pilsen. Um, And, and, uh, you know, one day I had this epiphany. I mean, I've always known Pilsen is facing gentrification. We, We know that. It's been a long time. One day I was at that Randolph Market area uh, around Halstead and Randolph. Mm-hmm. Fulton, was it called Fulton? What's yeah, it called? Fulton. We're right, actually, you, you literally, know. where you're sitting right now is not far from So help me with this. Again, zone of affluence par excellence, this carnival-like uh, you know, atmosphere of people. Yeah. I saw a bus coming here from McDonald's workers uh, about to be driven somewhere. It's kind of like in Silicon Valley they do that. You know, haul yes. the people out to the train to get home to the sun. Well, anyway, um, <laughs> it hit me. Yeah. You're a young, talented, and, and you know, Good for you, and I, I think that's great. You're a young, talented person making a good buck working around uh, the Google headquarters. Three L stops away is a super hip Mexican neighborhood called Pilsen. 
the day I realized that, is it the pink line? Yes. Okay. Pink line is three stops from Fulton Market. Uh-huh. Wait, wait a yes. And I said, oh my God. And, and once I realized that Google, you know, local headquarters is going in there, you know, Pilsen, which already has been gentrifying way too much, north of 18th Street is Latino majority, just barely hanging on. Uh, it's, it's, it's the pressure is just gonna keep going. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I, I, you know, I'm kind of a visual guy and I'm picturing Metro Chicago in my mind, a map, I don't know who does that, but I do. Um, <laughs> You dream in demography. I dream in demography. <laughs> <laughs> it's always hard to do on radio. Just yeah. imagine yeah. this map. So <laughs> name for me another neighborhood, Ben, and I, uh, not to tip my hat, uh, hat too soon, to tip my hand too soon, that's been very isolated by boundaries. It's been hard to get into unless you made a little effort, and yet it's got a housing stock like Pilsen, ready for, ready for rehab, man. A lot of old, worn-out housing stock, where... They are about to do a couple things for it. They're first of all gonna put this thing called the 78 on its oh, northern yeah. boundary. Yeah. Is, is the 78 12,000 housing units or 16,000? Well, okay, the 78 is the one, just so everybody knows geographically where we're talking about. The 78th is roughly uh, Roosevelt Road, Road uh, and Clark Street. Clark on There's the a east. huge uh, expanse of vacant land right along it the It should Chicago be a bird Road. sanctuary, by the way. It is so beautiful and unbuilt on right now, but go ahead. Absolutely. It's completely unbuilt on. It's Right now, there's a lot of people do ride their bicycles up and down there. There's uh, homeless people nice. who sleep yeah. there. In, in the old days, if you wanted to get a, uh, sec, uh, a high from secondhand smoke, you just walk through there, everybody's smoking reefer. So uh, it, well, it you had, can do that on the red line, too. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can pretty much do that anywhere in Chicago. Uh, the reefer days. is the official fragrance <laughs> of Chicago these days. That's a good line. Yeah, it has been for a while, by the way. Uh, but um, anyway, so yeah, so the uh, developers okay. have been eyeing uh, this area for years. You, you gave it the best nickname I've ever heard. Redsco known. Village. Why yeah. has that not stuck? Uh, <laughs> it's just me, one person against Redsco like Village is perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. It makes you think of uh, Sandberg Village <laughs> to the north. It makes you think of University Village over by UIC. Redsco, tell us why. Well, why, Tony, why Redsco, are you calling it Redsco okay, I'm supposed Village. to be interviewing you not the other way but tony resco was a wheeler dealer uh for many years in illinois politics he had influence with the blagojevich administration he had contacts with barack obama he ended up going to jail on some scandal i can't remember some corruption scandal emerging from the blagojevich years further reason to name something after him yeah and so he owned this huge tract of land uh back in the 80s and the 90s i want to say in fact one of his co-investors i think is still one of the owners of the land he owned this land and he was coming very close to getting a TIF subsidy from Mayor Daly to develop it because it was every developer's dream. Because you need TIFs to develop. Yeah, you do. all right. God forbid <laughs> that somebody pay his own money to develop something in town. And then even Daly was embarrassed. <laughs> even Daly, Rescue was so corrupt that even Daly goes, I don't know if this is a good idea to give him TIF money. That guy from the reader will write about it. And so uh, they backed off and the deal fell apart. And so that huge tract of land has passed on to new owners, I think. Although one of the owners, it's confusing as to who actually has what portion of what title of it. Someone tells get, me they'll figure that they'll out. They'll figure Someone's <laughs> going to get fabulously wealthy. And uh, Mayor Rahm, uh, as he was heading out of office, thought it was a good idea to have the city council uh, dedicate a TIF subsidy or a TIF deal to that land. Now, Rob, unlike Lincoln Yards, which is very specific as to what they're going to do, the 78 one is more ambiguous at the moment. And 
there's still talk. Like if you talk to, the, I've seen some of those computer generated. You know, it looks like Fritz Lang Metropolis images of it, though, right? They, well, there are those things that exist on Clark Street, a New L style. Yeah, but you could, but anybody could make those kinds of drawings. You know, it's just a computer that does the work. Uh, but I have the feeling that the owners are behind the scenes saying, "Hey, give us your best bet," because so all of a sudden, if you remember, Rounder, and I were in a tangent within a tangent, Rounder talked about putting <laughs> Rounder who was starving. Don't get me going, Rob. Rounder who was starving the 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 universities of this oh, state of money for all four years in all of a sudden wanted to build some kind of university uh, yeah, research right, facility it, there yeah, I'm like dude just fund great. the universities yeah uh he suddenly that was on the table at the same time amazon yep. was looking at it on the table yeah. and casino now it's, it's all fossil on the site maybe we put a casino so my point is i get the feeling that the developers well, are like hey man i'll put anything well, here i'm re- really glad that you are bringing us full circle here because now we got this chunk of land that they're yes. going to do something on big right yes it is on the northern border of Chinatown. Yes. And there's there's one other thing happening, which is that, I don't know if you can picture, here, again, we're picturing Chicago neighborhoods and geography. Uh, Wentworth Avenue is the main drag of Chinatown. Yes, it indeed. goes underneath the arch. Mm-hmm. What's the city doing with Wentworth Avenue? They're extending it. Straightening it, it extending <laughs> yeah. it. It is going to run straight to uh, Roosevelt Road, which does, it doesn't right now because it dies at Resco Village. Yes. It is going to be like a super highway going into the uh, Chinatown Arch. Yes. And so what's the impact so of that? So what does the zone of affluence, what does the protozoa do when it's when it's, it has food on its edges or, or can grow? What is it, what is it? You know, it's always <laughs> it poking. It grows. It's poking, <laughs> it's probing, it wants to expand, and now it's going to have a road going right where there's some uh, really interesting housing and, and, and 15 minutes from the loop. I think it's a TIF-financed uh, road as well. Now, uh, yeah, it is, I think uh, it is a TIF-financed road. Don't quote me on that. I'm almost positive. I'm getting my, all my TIF deals mixed up in my head. It's hard to keep track of them. Now, I will. this leads me to uh, the Chris Kennedy line. Everything you've now discussed uh, in terms of the zone of affluence yeah, yeah. is either the result... Well, it's a result of, of specific plans by the city of Chicago. Lincoln Yards, specific plan, the city of Chicago. Resco Village, specific plan, city of Chicago. Extending Wentworth, uh, specific Uh, plan, city of Chicago. Chris Kennedy, in a moment of truthfulness, he must have woke up funny that morning, uh, when he was running for governor in 2018, said that uh, the out-migration of black people from the city of Chicago is a direct result of planning planning decisions by Rahm Emanuel. He put it right at Rahm Emanuel. That used to be the kind of radical thought that uh, an assistant professor somewhere would write. Right. And, every, <laughs> and now you had a major candidate, candidate. for a governor. Senator. And he was ripped by the power. The same exactly. Chicago Tribune editorial board that look, turns a deaf ear when you start telling them about uh, how taxes are not the cause or there's no proof that they're the cause. Uh Outwards, outright. How dare you say this about our beloved mayor? Yeah. So let me ask you this. Do you think uh, that Chris Kennedy was correct? Do you think that some of these population trends and changes are the direct result of planning by the city of Chicago? I, I think that the planning we've had, combined with other things that are outside the control of the city of Chicago, the macroeconomic trends, have made a city like Chicago less hospitable for normal people. Okay? When you, what do you mean by normal Thank people? Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I want to I set forward... Uh, one of the many yeah. one of the many ways to look at the black population change in yeah. Chicago is that blacks in Chicago are forced to pay a price for being normal. And here's what I mean by that: in Chicago now, if you have advanced education, you have some privilege, you went to a good college, you can make a really good buck. You want to cash in on that, right? 
and uh, the housing stock that you have access to that's good is expensive. If you are merely someone with a uh, moderate level of education, you don't come from privilege, the city doesn't have as much space for you as it used to. So if you look normal, you, uh, th this place is not for you as much as it used to be. Mm -hmm. Hard to live here uh, in a safe neighborhood, your personal safety is at risk. Uh, the quality of your housing, again, is ex either, either expensive or uh, subpar because you can't afford the expensive mm -hmm. stuff. And you don't have access to the, the carnival uh, jobs that are available, the, the white collar, uh, you know, computer, health, et cetera. Um, so if you're normal, if you have that profile, where do you go? Right? That, so I think that's, that's one way to look at what's happening. Um, it, it, it very much does describe a good portion of what's happening with African Americans. I mean, many other things. All right, well, while we're on this topic, what impact uh, did the demolition of the uh, CHA high-rise projects have on all these demographic trends? Well, um, yeah, it, it, it didn't help uh, stabilize the city's black population at all, did it? No, uh, it moved a lot of people to other parts of the city and, and threw people into the uh, Section 8 market, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I, I was part of a study that was funded by HUD years ago to look at where those people went. And first of all, we couldn't find a lot of them. They, they fell out of the market. There was this idea that uh, you know closing the gallery style high rises would you know then people are going to shift to the market based what they call Section Eight housing. Mm -hmm. You get a voucher, right? Uh, where are they? Uh, we, we you know uh, it hasn't been a know. hasn't been a one one by one to one movement. Um, so that's been going on. Uh, another another example that does impinge a little bit more directly on the African American population because we talked about Pilsen, right, which has historically been Mexican. We talked about Chinatown, which is now the Asian population that we have, just really facing an onslaught. Is uh, another theory I have been, which is uh, picture Chicago, picture the Loop, picture Hyde Park. I think we are looking at, and if unless the economy, unless the guy in Washington really tanks this economy, mm -hmm. right, which is not out of the not out of the question. <laughs> yeah, it's always possibility. I, I think when you and I are both retired, someone's talking about uh, demographics, they're gonna say that there is an unbroken band of uh, upscale development from the loop to Hyde Park. And it's gonna go right through Oakland and Douglas, that right now have been and are declining quickly African-American populations. All the pieces are in place. Um, there is only, between the southern border of um, the near south side, which is the South Loop, people call it South Loop. It goes down to 26th Street, mm -hmm. okay? Between, and it's reasonably developed, okay? Between there and the upscale parts of Kenwood, right, down the lake, two miles. And, and those two uh, areas, Hyde Park and the Loop, you know what they're doing, Ben? They're like two big drops of water on wax paper. Mm. You know, they're kinda shaking and they're edging and they're edging closer to each other. And what, what happens? They are just dying to embrace. <laughs> that is going to happen. Mark my words: the, the entire lakefront of Chicago down to Hyde Park will be a zone of affluence, uh, un unless the guy in Washington does what he's trying to do. Well, uh, you know, yeah, so how up. many? What, what time period are you talking about? Good question. You know, I, a, a couple decades, if if that. So we're talking about uh, twenty forty. 2040. Why not? Have you yourself cruised along the lakefront down, uh, you know, from the Loop to Hyde Park? On my bike. It's, uh, the, yeah. it's the new housing construction yeah. striking near the lake. 
right? Yeah. Uh, the new amenities, et cetera. All right. Well, let's get back again, coming back to the planning. Now, I don't want to sound like um, some uh, insane socialist uh, sitting on a park bench uh, ra- ranting at the skies. We're sitting <laughs> in the studio. <laughs> yeah, studio, which is uh, I'm one step removed from that uh, creature. Uh, when I came to Chicago, I've written about this. There was something called, I think it was the Chicago 21 plan. Mayor Daley, the old Mayor Daley, was very specific about what he had in mind. And he was literally creating what you're talking about, the zoning, a zone of Appleton. I don't know if you've ever seen this thing. It was written in 1973. Oh. And it talked. That was prescient. Wow. Oh, yeah. And it, and it, it, because other things have happened in the world and global economy mm-hmm. to make it possible yeah. that we're beyond, you know, he was either really prescient or he was lucky because we were, we were looking at a couple of decades after that when uh, corporations were going to start really clumping together yeah. in big cities and, 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 and capital was going to okay. really start concentrating. And if you were lucky, like Chicago was lucky, you were going to get you're going to get your hands on some of that and be one of those those nodes of the world economy with, uh, you know, movement of finance and information. Chicago has achieved that. Mm-hmm. Which, and, and so so when you look at the policies Coming back back to this, the policies of the last two mayors coming into the third mayor, Lori Lightfoot. When you look at the planning, but Wentworth Avenue, Lincoln Yards, the 78, which is Resco Village, uh, and those are just the most recent it, ones. It, it ex- expands the zone into formerly working class it, neighborhoods. It, it it subsidizes. It uses yeah. tax dollars to subsidize, to underwrite the cost of the expand, the, the expand of the affluence, the zone the of Z- affluence. The ZOA. Yeah, it the sure the ZOA. seems like it's, yeah. it's specific yep. planning by people well, to make this thing a reality. You know, yeah. Am I too much of a lunatic socialist on a bench <laughs> railing at the sky and at squirrels? Oh, I don't know. It does require that saying that the first Mayor Daley could look 50 years into the future. Well, forget is, the first mayor. <laughs> Let's talk about baby Mayor Daley, the last one we had But in the there's 90s. no question that city policies really, you know, gin yeah. up uh, this kind of development. Sure. And uh, so what do you make of this? Uh, if somebody from the Mayor Daley's Department of Planning well, were sitting here, he would say, so what, Rob Perrell? Well, there, there, I mean, th- this can be a good thing in some ways. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, there are a lot of cities, certainly in the Midwest and in the Northeast, that would love to have this problem. Let's, let's just kind of recognize, pat ourselves in the back. We, we have a, a problem that's maybe an opportunity, which is that we got an incredible amount of wealth accumulation in the city of Chicago. So what's the opportunity there? It's not in um, Cleveland. Cleveland doesn't have this uh, opportunity. Well, how about uh, taxing the wealth appropriately? How about spreading the wealth? Because if you don't do that, if you don't ameliorate the incredible differences and in the, the pulling apart and the polarization of the rich and poor in Chicago, you're going to have uh, two cities that are like Italian city-states, where where you live is, is your whole life and somebody next door has got something completely different going on, you don't have a city anymore. Yeah. So, you know, use that resource, you know, to, to develop schools and, and public education and uh, transportation uh, for the whole city. Yeah. Well, the cynic in me, uh, the, 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 the skeptical observer of Chicago in me would say that the planning policies of the city and the school policies of the city are largely uh, intended to continue the out-migration of poor people and working people and black people and Hispanic people from Chicago 
and so that you'll have more wealthier white people in the city of Chicago. And then, lo and behold, Rob Perrell, you're going to see funding of public schools. How about that? Yeah, you know, all of yeah. a sudden, we're, you know, well, you do this pattern. The charters are for poor folks, and and the uh, endowed public uh, grade schools are on the absolutely side. Yeah. always believed that. Yeah. Always believed charters was part of the policy. Now, again, I'm yeah. heading into my socialist ranting on the park bench stage of life. Yeah. Always have believed that. One of the aspects you know, of getting black people out of Chicago is to close a quote unquote regular school and open a charter. Yeah. That yeah. move people fast. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know that it requires intention for these things to happen. As you were saying, is this an intentional effort to move poor people out of the city? I, I, I hesitate to say that because I think more important than intention is ideology. Th- these changes don't flow from intention as much as they do from an ideology that says um, market-based this, market-based that is, is always good that to move people off of welfare into jobs, paying uh, insufficient uh, you know, wages is a good thing because you're using the market. Pushing people into um, private sector education is a good thing because of the market. You know what I mean? That if you have this mantra of the market, and, you know, this kind of neoliberal idea, um, mm-hmm. that, that's all it takes for these things to happen. Well, I think, I don't know how you can you separate ideology. You could be the nicest ideology. person in the world otherwise, you just happen to think that market-based forces are, you know, fabulous. I, 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 at some point, it's almost irrelevant to separate uh, ideology from intent. From so intent. think about this. You just said Chicago has an advantage. Let's, let's embrace, to a certain degree, uh, our f- good fortune. We're not Cleveland, all right? Yeah. And, and so I'm thinking, if your ultimate goal is the eradication of poverty, if your ultimate goal That's not is the, the eradication the of social yeah. inequity, no, they, okay. moving poor people out of one place is, to another place does not do that. The ultimate goal is don't tax me. The ultimate I goal got is a lot of money, money and don't tax yes. me. Yes. That's the ultimate goal. Right. And then the ultimate ideology is the, the market-based stuff is going to help you keep Actually, keep I, what's I'm going to d- subtly disagree with you on that point. The ultimate goal is not so much don't tax me, it's spend the dollars that I pay to taxes <laughs> on, on things that'll make me even wealthier. <laughs> on me. Okay? Yeah, That's yeah. what the TIF program does in the city of Chicago. Well, the TIF works. Or sometimes if you don't tax me, well, it's just because I, I just get to keep more of my stuff and do it. That is correct. Because you just mentioned the trivia, now one of my favorite topics, are haranguing you, or haranguing the notion that we're uh, taxing people out of Chicago. We're moving vans going to Indiana and Wisconsin. We'll talk about that. They always yeah. talk about that. That's are going to move Yeah. Uh, Those are state policies anyway so I don't know how you but you never hear them complain about a TIF deal a publicly subsidized yeah. upper development deal that's an investment yeah, they right. view that one central which is coming to the south loop or degradation Chicago. of a neighborhood being the reason yeah. people leave all right let's talk about the van supposedly the uh, this image of the vans moving out of chicago <laughs> to to indiana and wisconsin is that happening it does exist yeah sure there uh, and and actually you know uh, as we move out of the zone of affluence in Chicago, if you look at the suburban Cook County and the, and the Cower County, you do, there is a lot of white white departure from the state of Illinois. But there's a funny thing. You can say, oh, are they all getting in vans and going to Indiana? <laughs> right? I've been called by a journalist in Indiana. Uh, and, and again, going back to our friends at the Illinois Policy Institute, they say, look, the taxes of Illinois are sending people to Indiana. Yeah. But, but you know what? You know what's a problem with that argument? Indiana's losing population. So are you saying Chicagoans are so stupid that they're going <laughs> to... Go to a state where the natives are saying, "I'm getting the hell out of here." Yeah. What a what? It's like that's sort of a rhetorically shooting yourself in the foot, at least, if if not saying that the people who are moving are dumb. Where are the Hoosiers going? 
like everybody else in the Midwest, I go to Texas in the South. I mean, I, so I people are going because of the climate. Well, there's a lot of things. Housing costs have been in Texas. You know, who who wants to live in Texas? People do. Uh, they're a lot. They're a lot lower. They're you know they don't they don't tax. They have the highest child poverty rate in the United States because they don't provide uh, medical services to children in Texas, and their schools are underfunded. You know, Louisiana teachers make blah blah blah. So cost of living is really cheap down there. And if, if you're retired or you got you feel like you can make a buck somewhere, um, it's cheaper to live down there. Than uh, it I guess is depending to live. on your values. Yeah. Depending on your values. I'll tell you one of the reasons I have a trouble with that. I mean, people make that calculus, right? It's cheaper to live down there, cheaper housing. You know what we have bought in in Chicago and and, and Illinois? You know what we have purchased with our taxes? We really have purchased some of the finest schools in the country. We have uh, purchased some of the finest systems of um, parks and of uh, public health. Not everywhere. Not, no, not, not everyone has access in the country, in the world. I and mean, we have jewels that we have purchased with our taxation and our policies. And when you want to go live in Arkansas, well, you know, you ain't going to have that. <laughs> no, but if you're retired, I can see your and, point if you're retired. And, you know, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, in, uh, so what about Wisconsin? Is that population falling as well? Oh gosh, that's a that's a good question. I I I think it's not. I think Wisconsin is a little bit of an outlier in a couple of ways. It doesn't get the immigration the other midwestern states get. I think it hasn't had the loss. I I, I can't answer all of that. Uh, Milwaukee's been growing. <laughs> I, I I can't answer everything that's going on in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I think it's got its own economy. It's uh, you know Illinois as a as a state has has an economy that's been heavily dependent on um, certain kinds of um, uh, high um, high end. Uh, cons- uh, Manufacturing mm-hmm. historically, we, we, and then tied to the auto industry. By the way, Wisconsin's got a different thing going on overall. So yeah, oh yeah, Wisconsin's kind of stable. I would say Milwaukee has some parallels to Chicago, and it's. But I'm going to hold back. Uh, de- uh, de- yeah, devalued communities and uh, yeah, I, disinvestment. De- yeah, and right, two cities on the lake and, and a downtown. That's, they got their own little. They got their little baby Zoa. Yeah, baby, they have their baby. Zola. So baby and some parallels uh, between Milwaukee and Chicago. All right. Uh, so moving to the political context, this matters because uh, if if population continues to fall statewide, we're going to lose congress- congressional. Oh, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Boy, there's so much to talk about. With mm-hmm. um, th- this may take an, this may take a while. A few shows. Uh, uh, yeah, a couple of the things that hit on with population change, man. Let's let's start let's start at the federal level. Uh, we, we, we've got 18 congressional districts. We're going to lose one for sure. We're down to 17, no doubt about it. If, if we screw up this census that we're about to do in Illinois, which, which I, I hope we don't. I, I've been worried about whether we, whether we do that or not, but I can tell you what I mean by that. Uh, we could lose two. And, and that, that's what the talking heads at the Brookings Institution, et cetera, say. You know, Illinois is kind of on the cusp of losing two. Mm-hmm. It, it's a disaster, and, and it's bipartisan. Not, even Republicans don't want to lose a second congressional district because the statewide congressional uh, delegations on certain things come together. Less and less these days, but you know, uh, uh, you don't want to lose congressmen. You need a good census count. Uh, yeah. There's a risk of not counting 150,000 blacks and Latinos in, in Illinois, according to the Urban Institute. So anyway, there's this risk of losing the second congressional. What happens when you lose congressional districts? Okay, there's gonna be some real you're going you're to have a lot of shows on this. Get ready for uh, next <laughs> yeah. spring because yeah. uh, here's some of the questions. Can we maintain three uh, African-American majority, uh, majority African-American congressional districts in Illinois? Right now we've got three, right? We've got Bobby Rush, Robin Kelly, and... Um, Daddy K. Davis. Uh, Daddy K. 
right? At the last census, their African-American portion of their population was like 52, 53%. Mm-hmm. And if you look at voting age population, it was yeah. lower than that. Yeah. Well, that's going down. As, as, as that population changes, you're more at risk of, um, uh, uh, of a challenger, mm-hmm. or you know, of that of that that apple cart really being upset. Uh, the other things, gosh, so much going on. The other thing is um, with the Latino population. Uh, so, something, if someone wants to do this, if the powers that be decide to do this, you could really clean up the fourth congressional district geographically. We need, we need, uh, Did you ever see fourth, a map of the fourth congressional absolutely. district? Absolutely, fourth congressional this district is, um, is predominantly Hispanic district, district. district. Yeah, seventy-one percent Latino at the mm-hmm. last. Um, a super majority Latino, yeah. and we could get into why they had to make it super majority. By the way, there was a reason they had to get up to seventy percent. Yeah, they couldn't. It was sixty percent wasn't going to work. Right, so. but um, the Mexican population, which I said saved Chicago has grown so much on the south side that you really could create a south side majority, very contiguous and kind of tidy um, congressional district now, um, separate from the north side Latino population. Which is falling. Which is falling the, uh, the, for a couple of reasons. Uh, the Puerto Rican population is, is down, it's, it's suburbanizing, we don't get migration from the island anymore. And because all the zip codes of that area are just getting the, the, the housing And because it's all the affluence. It's, it's hammering people. Yeah. And, and I, I've looked at maps of the Latino, this is a north side Latino, they have a different story than the south side Latinos. North side Latinos have been like this march over time from the lakefront areas uh, on west. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Housing prices, um, jo- access to jobs, location of jobs, that's been going on. So uh, get it, this, we, we, you said what are some of the political ramifications. Those are some of the stories related to a Congress, whether we uh, maintain the uh, current uh, mix of uh, uh, representatives we have right now. There's other stories at the at the ward level. Are you gonna are you gonna have as many black majority wards? Mm. And, sh- and what are they gonna look like? Well, the political ramification. I've talked about this in the show many times. Uh, is that the notion has changed? Now, when I moved to Chicago in 1981, Rob, there was this notion that was embedded uh, in the psychology, the psyche of every politician I talked to, that uh, you needed a supermajority of black people in a ward or a district to elect a black person as the representative of that district, yeah. and white people were just not going to vote for a black person to represent yeah. them. And as much as I always like to try to accentuate uh, the uh, emptiness of a bottle as a the fullness of a bottle, I have to concede that that attitude has changed. I first became aware of it when Tony Preckwinkle was victorious in 2010 yeah, sure. uh, and won a uh, primary to be the uh, president of the county board. We've had it, statewide elected officials who are African-American. That is correct. president was African-American. But the, the uh, notion was in Chicago however, that if you have more than one black person running against a white person, the white person will win because the black people will uh, split their vote and vice versa. And Tony Preckwinkle proved that wrong. Uh, and because she was running as one of three African-Americans yeah. against an Irishman. So um, I believe that it's possible that, like, for instance, Robin Kelly could be elected yeah. uh, and in a district that's majority yeah, yeah, white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that Barack Obama, if he were running, could be yeah. elected in a district. Well, let, me, let me throw out a little bit of political science. I, I, I don't disagree with you about this, but however, we, have not, we are not in a post-racial voting era. And I'll, t- I'll, I'll give you some. Oh, local, I absolutely. But give the, I know where you're going to go. But give it. Some yeah. local mm-hmm. examples yeah. are that in the in the precincts in Chicago, uh, in this last mayoral mm-hmm. election, the drop off, 
in voting between the first round and the second round was way higher proportionally in white and Latino districts. Mm-hmm. Why was that? Because arguably there wasn't a candidate to vote for from that perspective, yeah. right? Because there were two black women running. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there, there's evidence that no, people still- I agree. I, your point's well taken. And uh, I, I understand we've not, re- it's not Shangri-La, but I do believe uh, that when, when, when you talk about a loss of a district, I think that it's beyond a law. I think that there's a, obviously an impact when you lose a congressional district, but I don't necessarily mean it means we'll lose a black person as a congressman. That's all the point I was yeah, making. Yeah, yeah. In other words. Well, I tell you what, you tell me, this is something I think you would know a lot more about with me. When, when population falls of a group that's been in your corner, so to speak, uh, let's say you're an African-American uh, uh, elected official and you, and you have a majority black district, right? And if that population's falling, it may be that your electability starts to depend more on slating. Mm-hmm. And it starts to depend more yeah. on a machine, whatever your machine the party, like. Well, the party so identity, yeah. It, it depends less on your community. Think about that. Yeah. And maybe, fine. But the, those are the kind of dynamics that are going to go out. Getting slated by your party may matter more than ever. Yeah. It always did matter. You know? Yeah. And so, um, so what I'm, I'm listening to you saying, I'm, I'm thinking two things. Uh, one, the st- city of uh, Chicago and the state of Illinois is really divorced from the numbers, like any kind of objective analysis of what's going on because everything's become so ideological. So for instance, if you're a Ronerite or a Chicago Tribuneite, taxes. Uh, yeah, you want to use the changing demographics to justify yeah. your call for cutting. And again, I say- It's we, like any other social issue, like immigration yeah. or whatever you- By the way, I just, I just want to keep yeah. correcting you. It's not that they're opposed to paying taxes, it's they're opposed to who is getting the taxes yeah. that they're paying. Point well made. Yeah, you Point know what well I mean? They, yeah. they're, they're, high, they're really focused on pension costs. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I yeah. don't hear them talk about- Public the, hospitals. Yeah. <laughs> Public health. Yeah, so it's, but it's, you know, they don't mind paying taxes to themselves. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's the other people. Or, or, or a good example is any number of wealthy suburbs that have just fabulous park districts and, and they're taxed for it. They pay for it. All right. Yeah. Now, uh, one thing you mentioned in passing to me when we were uh, setting up this interview, and uh, we'll close with this. It's not Chicago, but it's the suburbs. And you said, I think it was you who said this to me. I hope it wasn't somebody else, and I'm attributing it to you, that actually New Trier Township. 10% population. It was you. All yeah. right. New Trier is a very wealthy area. Uh, Winnetka, Wilmette, North Shore suburbs. High quality of life. High quality yeah. living. Yeah. What's that all about? Well, it's really, it's really an example of something that's beyond. On New Trier. It's a great example because New Trier, you know, represents, uh, you know, that, that kind of quality of life, uh, Ferris Bueller and all that stuff, that kind of, you know, nice houses, nice parks and everything. It's because the suburban areas of this region are, are really hurting in population. The, the inner ring suburbs have just been, uh, again, it's the stuff going on everywhere else, uh, the aging, um, the mortality, and, 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 and the kids want to live downtown. So it's, it's essentially a transfer of the population. That's a big part of it. Yeah. yeah, some of the transfers to Texas and Florida, and why do people want to go there? But some of the transfer is, you know, show me a young person who wants to live in Wheeling over uh, Logan Square. Yeah. Well, things attitudes do tra- uh, change. It's not Wheeling, just young people, by the mind, way. You know? uh, uh, Bruce Rauner, the aforementioned governor, he used of to live in the city of Chicago. He's a reverse migrant, right? Well, well, he's got he about seven suburbs, or eight homes. He? But he after he got his kid into the high school here, and then moved out to the suburbs after yeah, graduating. He sold his house in Winnetka just recently, and he's got a 
How many penthouses does the router have downtown, D? Who, Bruce Rauner? Yeah, Yay for our teachers. Yeah, that Bruce Rauner. for our teachers. <laughs> oh, like seven or eight. So, no, but he's got two downtown. I think he has two condos downtown. Okay. Oh, yeah, right. two condos. Yeah. Same building. Yeah, Sorry. so that's an indication. Bruce Rauner, it, it, you know, he, the, the first guy crying about the expense of you know, spending taxes on middle-class people, pensioners and stuff. We're giving our pensioners too much money. Uh, anyway, uh, Rob Perron. If, if Thank anybody, you so much. Uh, it's been a blast talking. We're going to have to bring you back because I think this list, this cheat sheet. By the way, I don't know if I said this on air or not, but I'm going to say it anyway. Rob Perrell is the only guest who gives me a homework assignment. And then it's like following up. Did you read the homework I gave him? Good. God, the guy's tough on a host. Anyway, uh, Rob, thank you so much for coming on. We're going to bring you back because this is a delightful conversation. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And, thank and you so I'll tell you what, the next time we're on, we're going to be talking about uh, what impact the change uh, on a census form where you ask people. Oh, we uh, didn't even get there. We, did we? didn't get that. Yeah, it's citizen. a strategy and a plot to take advantage of cities again. Yeah. Strategy and a plot to take advantage of cities. Remember that, folks. We're going to pick up that conversation next time Rob is on our show. Thank you very much, Rob. Thank you, Ben. Take care, everybody. Yay for our teachers. Yay for our teachers.